we're going to jump into this series called Choices. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about um, the choices we make. How can we make good choices? Because the reality is this, the choices we make shapes the life we experience. Let me say that again. Choices we make. I, I say this all the time at home. Because I have kids, right? The choices we make shapes the life we experience. Obviously, there's the small, insignificant choices we make every day, like, uh, am I going to have eggs for breakfast or a cereal bar? Am I going to wear a blue shirt or a red shirt? I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's those insignificant choices that, that really don't matter much. But then there's the bigger choices, like, will I choose to follow Jesus? How many of you know that's a big choice? Who will I choose to marry? What career path will I choose? Will I, will I choose to buy a home or not buy a home? It's those decisions that carry much more weight and can have lifelong impact. And so what we want to do is we want to make the best decision, right? We want to make the right decision. I, I, I'm rem, reminded of a scripture in Deuteronomy 28 that says you can choose blessing or cursing. You can choose life or death. You can choose uh, like good or you can choose bad. When there's power, there's power in our choosing. I don't know if you were aware of this, but it's estimated that you process, get this, 35,000 conscious and subconscious decisions every day. 35,000. If you're wondering why you're so tired now, you know. 35,000. Cognitive scientists have actually come up with a term to describe the challenge before us, and here's the term. It's decision fatigue. Like, we get worn out. Worn out with decisions. I know for myself, there's at times when I'm at work here in the office all day and I'm just making decisions, 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 one after another. And by the time I get to the end of my day, I'm just worn out. So I go home and my wife asks me a question about a decision and, and I say something like, I'm tired of making decisions. I don't want to make any more. You make the decision. It doesn't go over very well. I, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you now, man. That's probably not a good response. But I just get tired. I get tired of making decisions. But the reality is, I think we all know this, we cannot escape decisions. Life is all about choices, and the choices we make are significant. One of my mentors, John, Dr. John Maxwell, says, Life is a matter of choices, and every choice you make makes you. What a powerful statement. Life is a matter of choices. And every choice you make makes you. So if we want better outcomes, and we all want better outcomes, right? If we want better life, we all want better life. If you want better relationships, if you want better future, then what we have to do is we have to make better decisions, right? So let me ask you a question. What do you think is the difference between people who are fulfilled in life? Like those who have great relationships, those who, have, uh, who are financially solid, those who've discovered meaningful ministry and just love life, and then those who don't. Might amaze you this morning, but it's not intelligence. It's not talent. It's not appearance. Like, I've seen, I've seen smart people that are miserable. Have you? I've seen talented people who are broke. I've seen attractive people who can't maintain a healthy relationship. I think the difference all boils down to decisions. It really all boils down to the choices that we make. Now, here's the reality. The quality of your decisions determines the quality of your relationships. The quality of your, that's what we're going to talk about throughout this whole The quality of your decisions determines the quality of your relationships. To a great degree, it's the choices that you made yesterday that shaped who you are today. And it's the choices that you're going to make today that's going to shape 
what your tomorrow's going to look like. So as I tell my children all the time, if you want a different outcome, if you want a better outcome, then you have to make what? Better choices, right? Again, the quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. There's a story from my childhood that I think is a vivid illustration. And it's one of my best friends growing up as a kid in the hills of Arkansas was a boy by the name of Dobie Tester. Dobie lived about two miles, three miles down the road. Like we were not in neighborhoods. Like he was one of our closest neighbors and he was two to three miles down the road. But we grew up as boys fishing, riding bikes, hunting, um, just spending a lot of time together. Went to the same church every Sunday. We were in the same Sunday school class. One week out of every year, we would go to the same church camp. We just spent a lot of time together. But as we grew older, as we got into our teen years, my friend Dobie began to make choices that didn't align with how I had been raised, didn't align with how my parents had kind of built this, um, these principles into my life. He began to consume some alcohol. He began to mess around with some, some different drugs, began to hang out with, um, with, a, with a wrong influence, with a wrong crowd. And so as we grew older into our teens, into early 20s, I got married, and my wife and I headed off to Bible college to pursue what we believe was God's calling on our lives, four years of preparation, I remember the day so clearly when I received the call from my mom. I was in Bible college at this time. I received a call from my mom with the horrible news that my best friend growing up, my childhood friend, had murdered his mom and dad. He went to their home seeking more money so they could get more drugs. They refused to give him more money. And in that, he took their lives. He cut his dad's throat and he beat his mom to death. Today, today my friend is doing life without parole. Today, I'm living, I'm living an unbelievably blessed life. And the difference is the choices that we made. And grew up same community, same Sunday school, same church. But along the way, we began to make different choices. And the choices that I've made have shaped my life. I'm far from being perfect, all of you know that, but I am blessed, and it's connected to what the decisions I made. Here my, my friend is, will never see outside of the prison. Again, because of, of the choices he made, the quality of their decisions will shape, will define the quality of our lives. And that's why this passage of Scripture in Proverbs 3, 21 through 23 is significant for us. I, I want you to listen how this reads. I'm, I'm reading the text today from the message paraphrase. It's on the screen so you can follow along. But l- listen how this reads. It says, Dear friend, guard clear thinking and common sense with all your life. Don't for a moment lose sight of them. They'll keep your soul alive and well. They'll keep you fit and attractive. You'll travel safely and you'll neither tire nor trip. The scripture here clearly directs us to what? To guard or pursue clear thinking and common sense that helps us make right decisions. Decisions that can help us honor God and decisions that can open our lives to the future that God has for us. So what? We need to guard clear thinking and common sense so we don't make bad decisions because it's the bad decisions 
that create trouble in our lives. Would you agree with that? How many of you would say, I made at least one bad decision in my life that created a little pain? You better be raising your hand or you're going to get to the altar, right? <laughs> yeah, even the folks from East Lincoln, right? You, you know, like we, we can all identify. I mean, we all have stories we could tell. If I had time this morning, we could like bring everyone on the platform and you could talk about like your worst decision ever. I mean, we all have those stories to tell. So the, the proverb here says we need to guard clear thinking and common sense that, that can help us come to like good decisions, right decisions. You know, if you think about it, the source of most problems in life is the poor decisions we make. Now, I know there's other things that happen. I know there's poor choices that other people make that negatively affect your life. But here's the reality. You have no control over those things. What you always have control over, though, is what? Your choice, the decision that you make. So if we're honest this morning, I think we would say, hey, yeah, most of the problems I've experienced in my life have somehow been connected to poor choices, wrong choices. Like, I can't speak for your life because I don't live where you live. I don't walk in your shoes. But I can tell you from my own life, as I survey my own life over the past few years, I've created most of my problems. Like, I've made a quick decision, like a rash decision, or I've made a, a selfish decision, or a sinful decision. And with that, I've suffered the consequences. I've created the problem. Like, it wasn't anyone else's fault. Like, I can't blame anyone else. The problem was me. The choice that I made that brought the consequence that was undesirable. So if we want to have less problems and better life, a better life that honors God and opens our lives to what he has for us, then we need to make better decisions, better choices. I think we all understand that, right? Like we all get that. So, so a great question is, is why do we struggle to make good decisions? Why is it so hard at times to make the right choices? I want to give you just maybe three or four reasons really quick this morning. I think first we're overwhelmed with choices. As I mentioned earlier, it's estimated that you make 35,000 choices every day. So we get worn down and we get worn out. And at times we just make bad decisions. Oftentimes, oftentimes I think it's the volume of as the volumes of decisions increase, the quality of the decisions decrease. For example... Let's say you're at work all day, making decision after decision after decision. When you come home, you're worn out because you've been making all of these decisions. You come out, you come home, and you binge eat. Or you go to the freezer and get the ice cream carton out, and you empty it. Anyone guilty? You're worn out. And so you make a bad choice. You make a wrong decision. Or at times, I think we get so overwhelmed with the amount of decisions before us that we get paralyzed and we don't make a decision. And indecision is actually a decision. Indecision is the animated progress. At times, I think we struggle to make good choices simply because we're overwhelmed with choices. I think maybe a second reason we struggle to make good decisions is because we're afraid of making the wrong choice. And we get stuck in the what ifs. You ever been stuck in the what ifs? Like what if I choose the wrong college? Or what if I choose the wrong career path? What if this is not God's will? What if it's the wrong house to buy? What if it's not the right job? What if, what if the stock market drops? Like we can be so afraid of making the wrong choice that we don't make any choice. 
Like there's an analysis that leads to paralysis, right? Now, I'm, all for ta- I'm all for thinking decisions through and gathering information. But at some point, you have to make the decision, right? Again, Proverbs 3.21 says, guard clear thinking and common sense with your life. But at some point, you have to trust God's guidance to make a decision, not allowing fear of making the decision to keep you from making the decision. You know, there's a a passage of Scripture that's helped me through the years. Um, Actually, it's one of my life verses. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 reads like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. In other words, as you set your heart to seek God, he's directing this. And let me tell you why that gives me great comfort, because I, I don't always make right decisions. I don't always make right choices. But the comfort I've found is this. As I set my heart to seek God, somehow he gets me where he wants me. And he accomplishes his purpose to mind. I'm telling you, it takes it takes. A lot of the stress away. Like, what's the right choice? Oh, i got to make the right choice. Uh, There was one theologian who said, seek God and do whatever you want. Set your heart to seek the Lord, and he's directing your path. He's guiding you. So then, again, even if we make a wrong decision, like I bought the wrong house, it's not the right house, or I went to the wrong college, who knows how God might work in that and through that, why? Because you've set your, you've set your heart to, to seek him. Hey, here's the third reason. I think mean, we often struggle to make good decisions is, is we're surrounded by the wrong people. Or we have the wrong influencers in our lives. You know, there's a little verse tucked away in 1 Corinthians 15.33 that often gets overlooked. I think it gives us great insight. Listen to how this verse reads. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Or we might paraphrase the verse for the sake of the message today, say if you hang out with the wrong people, you'll find yourself making the wrong decisions. And here's a good Arkansas truism. My dad used to tell me when I was a kid, um, I didn't fully get it then, but I get it today. He says, son, if you sleep with the dogs, you're going to get fleas. (laughs) Who wants fleas, right? That's what I thought when I was a kid. I thought, who wants fleas? Like, I'm not going to sleep with the dogs. In other words, if you hang out with the wrong people, they'll influence your life and they'll influence your choices. If bad company corrupts good character, then the opposite of that would be true. That good company helps build good character that helps you then make good decisions. Here's a final reason I, I, I think we often struggle to make good decisions is we let emotions overrule logic. We let emotions overrule sound thinking and quality decisions. We're directed by the emotions of the moment. And in that, we make a a rash decision or a wrong decision. And it's usually the wrong reaction instead of the right response. For example, the children are like out of control. Your children are out of control. They upset you and they push you to the limits. Logic says, be patient and respond. Emotion says what? Yell, right? Get that tail, right? You know what I'm talking about. Or there's an unexpected temptation that presents itself, like something pops up on your phone or something pops up on the computer. It's it's an invitation. 
And logic says don't go there. But emotion says you deserve this. Emotion says no one will ever know. Then when we let emotions overrule logic and sound thinking, it will lead us to wrong choices that creates, that it creates problems in our lives. And so often it's, it's the emotional decisions that hurt us the most. So again, looking back to our text, Proverbs 3.21, notice the counsel of the scripture is to guard clear thinking and common sense with your life. Don't for a moment lose sight of them. They will keep your soul alive and well. They will what? They'll help you make quality decisions. And the quality of your decisions will determine then the quality of your life. So how can we make then quality decisions, right? That's what we all want to know. How can we make quality decisions? One of the best ways to live a forward-looking, people-loving, God-glorifying life is to decide before what you're going to do later. Say that again. To decide before what you're going to do later. In other words, make the critical decisions before you're faced with the other decisions that could cost you. Friends, it's the power of predeciding. Predeciding. The predeciding what we'll choose and how we respond when faced with choices or when we find ourselves in a possibly tempting situation. But we make the right choice because we predecided how we were going to respond before we come to the situation. Listen to how Proverbs 16:33, excuse me, 16 verse 3 reads. It says, "Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans." Commit to the Lord. So this verse directs us to seek God concerning our lives and the direction of our lives, to commit our ways to him and to align our lives to his word and to his will. In other words, we're pre-deciding our path of action and we're pre-deciding our decisions before we have to make the decision. We're committing our way to the Lord. If you can think of it like this, we're setting ourselves up for success by pre-deciding, by pre-deciding how we're going to respond or, or how we're going to choose. So with God's help, with God's help, we will determine our course of action before the moment of decision. And what gets most people in trouble is they haven't thought it through. They haven't committed their way to the Lord. So when faced with a situation, oftentimes you make a poor decision or a wrong decision that brings consequence that costs you because you didn't pre-decide. So with God's help, we'll determine our course of action before the moment of decision. For example... When I'm tempted to make an impulse purchase, like um, the other day, I'm, as most of you know, I'm an avid outdoorsman. I got my concealed carry permit, and I went to Bass Pro. <laughs> that's dangerous. And my wife was out of town. That's even more dangerous. And there was all kinds of things I could have spent money on. I had the plastic with me. But I've made a decision that I'm not going to impulse buy. I'm going to give it three days. And three days later, I decided that I had all of the guns that I needed and I didn't need anymore. But I pre-decided I'm not going to impulse buy. I'm going to give it three days. And most of the time after three days, the impulse is, is gone, right? Save me some money and my wife's happy. <laughs> or when I face a situation that has the potential to generate anxiety and worry, 
I've predecided that I'm going to take that situation to God. And I'm not going to give in to worry. I'm going to trust God instead of worrying. I predecided. So when worry comes, I don't have to live in that. I've already predecided how I'm going to respond to that. Or when someone does something that has the potential to offend me, I don't allow it to get internalized and see bitterness. You know why? Because I've already predecided. I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to live offended. I'm not going to hold on to it. I've already made that decision. So when the offense happens, there's really not a decision to make because the decision's already been made. Right? Are you following me? That's the power. It's the power of predeciding. So there in your notes this morning, there's a fill in the blank for your reflection. What area of your life or areas in your life might be a challenge because you consistently make the wrong choice? I don't know what that would be, but think about that. On our East Lincoln campus, think about that. It's time to pre-decide. So here's the statement. When faced with blank, this situation, I have pre-decided to blank, take this action. So there's an area where you just say, hey, I'm consistently getting tripped up. I'm consistently making a wrong decision. It's, man, it's messing with my marriage. It's messing with my family. It's messing with my work life. It's messing with my faith life. Again, here it is. When faced with blank, this situation, I predecided to take this action. As you predecide, it can lead you to better choices and right choices that can result in better outcome. Because again, the quality of your decisions, friends, determines the quality of your life. You know, as we look to the Bible, there's some great examples of the power of predeciding. And I don't have time to go deep into these stories. You can read about them later. But Genesis 22, Abraham and, and Sarah have been blessed with Isaac. The son that they'd been praying for, waiting for. Genesis, we come to Genesis 22, and God says to Abraham, Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. That's verse 2. Verse 3 says, Abraham got up early the next morning and saddled his donkey. The Abraham had predecided that he was going to trust God. And because he had predecided he was going to trust God, he got up early the next morning and saddled his donkey and headed to Mount Moriah. He knew that somehow, some way, God was going to provide. And if you read the story, God did provide a ram in the thicket. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. But what Abraham had already predecided. So when the choice came, a difficult choice, if God were to say to you, take your child and sacrifice it, you would say, Whoa, let's have a conversation about that. Let's put that choice off for a week or a month or 10 years. Abraham had already predecided. I'm going to trust God. Hey, here's a second great biblical illustration. It's in the book of Ruth. And if you don't know the story of Ruth, it's about four chapters. It'll take you all of 30 minutes to read the whole story. You should read the story. But Naomi, who's the mother-in-law of Ruth, has come to a difficult place. Her husband and both of her sons have died. She's in Moab, a foreign land, and she decides, I'm going to leave the foreign land of Moab, and I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. And so she says to her two daughter-in-laws, because both of her sons have died, she says to her daughter-in-laws, hey, why don't you go back and find you a husband who can provide for you? 
Like, I'm old. I'm not going to have any more kids, so there's, like, no opportunity here. Go back. And what's interesting is what Ruth said to Naomi. Listen as I read this from, from Ruth chapter 1. Ruth said, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Ruth had already predecided what she was going to do when, when, when it came to this decision. She says, hey, I'm with you. And as a result of that, what's interesting in the story is that Ruth ends up marrying Boaz, and Ruth becomes the great, great, excuse me, the great grandmother of King David and came into the lineage of Jesus Christ. All because of a predecision. She predecided her response. Hey, here's another great illustration. It comes from the life of, <coughs> excuse me, the life of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. If you're familiar with the story of Daniel, Daniel and the Hebrew boys had been carried into captivity, Babylonian captivity. So they are like fugitives. They're slaves in a land that's not their own. And they were being like brainwashed to serve in the king's court, in the Babylonian king's court. And what's interesting is how Daniel responded to that. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 reads like this. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Notice, he resolved. In other words, he predecided. He predecided how he was going to respond when he was faced with a decision. He says, hey, I'm not compromising my faith. And because he had predecided when the situation came, he was able to make a right decision. And in that, if you read the rest of Daniel's story, God honored Daniel and he became like this man of influence in the Babylonian government. Like God raised him up to this position of influence. And I believe it's all because he predecided. He had already determined his values. Here's the key he had determined his values, and his values then shaped his decision. What he, he had predecided. So from Daniel's story, I, I think there's a couple principles that we can pick up that will help us, making, that will help us make right choices and right decisions. The first is this, when your values are clear, your decisions are easier. When your values are clear, your decisions are easier. So what do you value? Do you value honoring God? Do you value integrity? Do you value purity? Do you value generosity? See, when your values are clear, your decisions are easier. So based on what you value, decide now what you will do later. That's what Daniel did. So what you pre-decide. For example, when you receive a bonus at work, you don't choose to spend it all on yourself. Why? Because you, your value system, your values are this. You're going to live generous, so you don't just spend it all on yourself. No, you bless others. Why? You, you pre-decided that you're going to live generously. That's a part of your values. When your values are clear, your decisions are easier. Or, or when you're tempted or presented an opportunity to engage in pornography, you make the right choice and you turn away from the temptation. Why? Because you predecided. You predecided in your values that you're going to honor God in your life and with your life, and you value purity. Therefore, you don't go there. And if you wait until the moment of decision to decide, you're probably going to make the wrong decision. But you pre-decide. 
Again, when your values are clear, your decisions are easier. Or when there's a relational breakdown with a friend or family member, you don't discard the relationship. You pursue restoration because you value relationship. You, you, you predecide it. Here's my value. I value relationship. Therefore, rather than discarding this relationship, discarding this family member, I'm going to move toward them rather than moving away from them. Well, you, pre, you, you predecided. Again, when your values are clear, your decisions are easier. So clarify your values and predecide. These critical areas of your life. Predecide how you're going to respond. Here's a second principle. When your values are clear, you're not easily deceived. If you don't know your values, and you're chasing after so many things, you're finding yourself in trouble in crisis, you don't know your values. But when your values are clear, you're not easily deceived. You're not easily deceived because you've already defined what's important for you. You've predecided the choice that you're going to make. And when the adversary of your soul comes with a temptation, you don't take the bait because you've predecided how you're going to respond based on your values. It's the power of predeciding. Folks, the reality of your life and mine is that the decisions determine direction and direction determines destiny. Say that again. Decisions determine direction. Direction determines destiny. Your life and the direction of your life is being shaped by your decisions. Here's a question for you this morning, and I'll conclude with this question. If your life is moving in the direction of your decisions, do you like the direction your decisions are taking you? In other words, the life you're experiencing today, again, to a great degree, shaped by your choices. Do you like where you're at? If not, it's time to take your life back. It's time to predecide to do something different, to predecide your response before you're faced with a choice. With God's help, we'll predecide and determine our course of action before before the moment of decision. So when the moment of decision comes, we'll make the right decision that honors God and positions our lives for all that, for all that he has for us. So again, the choices that you make are the choices that's making you, it's making your life. So God give us wisdom and insight to predecide. Here is that are critical in our eyes, to predecide. So again, when you're presented a situation, you don't have to make a decision. You already made the decision. You're simply responding out of your values. Your values being shaped by God's word. Commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord, and he guides you in your life. But in all of that, this is what I know, we need help. Would you agree? We need help. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning. Lord, for the help that you bring. God, in the wonder of how you created us, you gave all of us a free will. And Lord, with that free will, we have the ability to choose. 
to choose life, to choose death, to choose to accept you, to choose to reject you, to choose a path that would open our lives to the fullness of all that you have for us, or to choose a path that would open our lives to consequence and pain. And I know as I think about, Lord, what happened in my own life with my childhood friend, Lord, I see the power of choosing. Lord, I pray this morning for everyone here, because we, Lord, 35,000 decisions every day. Lord, I know a lot of those are insignificant. But Lord, there's choices we make on a daily basis that are significant. And the Holy Spirit, we ask that you help us to have clear thinking and common sense. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would guide us. And Lord, for those who are here who've not established values in their lives, because Lord, when the values are defined the decisions become much easier. But for those who've not nailed down those values, I pray that, Lord, through digging into your word, through conversations with spiritual mentors, that they would begin to establish those values. Lord, that they would pre-decide. And in that, how they would find themselves consistently making better decisions, right decisions that honor you. With every head bowed and eye closed, possibly there's someone here today that you're, you're right in the middle of like a major decision. Don't know what that would be, but I would just want to pray specifically for you this morning that God would guide you in that decision. Is there anyone, the balcony, the main floor, just say, yeah, that's me, I'm in. Yeah, I see that hand. Yes. Some major decisions. Well, Lord, you said that as we would set our hearts to seek you, that you would guide us. So, Lord, for those with hands raised, Lord, I just pray that they would be in all-out pursuit of you. God, I believe that that's the answer. God, as we pursue you, you direct our path. So, Lord, may their pursuit of you be passionate and hot and Lord in that I thank you for how you're going to bring clarity of direction in their lives and for their lives we pray these things in Jesus name Amen